Monday. You were listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. And oh my goodness, we survived homecoming week. Yay, we did. I know, I feel like there's like just so much festivity and activities mm, yeah. and the tailgating. And then it always blows me away just the things that the individual colleges do right. for um, their former students. So I don't know. I just, I get on this like school spirit high for I think so words. too yeah and like we had our tailgate at the rec and that or and it wasn't at the rec but it was on the quad just welcoming our alumni back and it was great to see um different faces I hadn't seen in a while and then of course I like to make my rounds I can't stay in like one place at one time I'm oh, constantly sure. like all right let's go check out this place too but just going around to our different friends around campus and seeing what's going on it was great the food is always great that's what I love it's the tailgating food. Um, Even though yes. I'm a vegetarian, it's sometimes hard, but I usually find like macaroni and cheese. Yeah, no, I was going to say, because I know that like ice cream is your ride or die. It so is. like dairy is always going to be part of your life it as is. a vegetarian. You know, I have to make a confession to Tuscaloosa community right now. I haven't had ice cream in a while. I don't know what's happened. Really? I don't know what's happened to me. Maybe I'm just not craving it as much, but I, I'm a little worried. Now, you did tell me you were dabbling in the non-dairy ice creams, and I know I yes. told you I had to do a little bit about that mm-hmm. whenever uh, my son Sam had his allergy. What did you think of the non-dairy versions? There were some that were really good. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I mean, they don't compare to, like, full-fat ice cream, like what I love. Sure. But, um, no, there were some really good options out there. I, uh, I found one um, – that was a really, it was, like, it was like super sweet though. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but like it was so sweet. I was like, yes, this is my jam. It was like cookie dough, cake batter or something, but it uh-huh. was it was a non-dairy. And I think it was made with um, almond milk. I found I like ice cream made with almond milk better than coconut milk. It's yeah. denser. I don't know. I just, coconut milk, like I, like I weigh my pints, right? I take my <laughs> pints in my hand uh-huh. and I hold my dairy and I'm like, oh, that's heavy. That's good. I like that. That's yeah. some saturated oh, yeah. fat right there. And then I grab my like coconut milk and I'm like, oh, it's a little bit lighter weight. It's no, just, I, you no know. I totally understand. There's one brand that I really liked, and I they had a couple of variations that used cashew milk, and oh. I felt like that had this like nice mouthfeel and mm. creaminess that was comparable to dairy ice cream. But yeah. I mean, not. Well, but like if you Not need fully. a fix. If you need a fix, I think yes. it's great. And I'm glad that we have those options out there. But um, no, I, I my days of being vegan lasted about a month. Uh-huh. And then I went back to just being vegetarian. Yes. And I, I love my ice cream. Now, you know, we are moving away from the temperatures that are ice cream appropriate but I mean ice cream is ice cream so ice cream is ice cream yes <laughs> then are there any warm desserts that you like is there anything that you enjoy like <laughs> ice that? cream with hot fudge <laughs> like I literally am sitting here thinking I'm like like literally just pour hot fudge on your ice cream and it makes it warm no I mean I like honestly if you don't put bananas in stuff we're good I will eat anything aside from bananas we're good <laughs> I think now, our producer, she's turning around looking at us like, oh my gosh, oh, like what direction she loves y'all us, go? whatever. But no, I think there's some strategy to us talking about yeah. this because <laughs> when we bring our guest on in just a little bit, we are going to be talking about food and we're going to be talking about maybe reasons <clears throat> why people might have to use um, alternate versions yeah. of different things. So actually, by default great and not segue. on purpose, yeah, we... <laughs> We did that. But, um, you guys, we have a great show. Um, This afternoon, we have a great guest on campus. We're going to be talking about food allergies. Mm -hmm. You know, not something that you 
constantly think about when no. you think about nutrition, Mm-mm. unless you are directly affected by That's food allergy yeah. or a family or um, you know family member or a friend. But we have some great information that we want to be able to share, and this is going to be great too as we enter into a holiday season where a lot mm. of food is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, even Halloween can play a role in this too when we think about candy and being cognizant of those types of things. So I think that we're going to hook y'all up. With some good strategy. Fully loaded. Yes. Fully loaded. To make sure that you are a good hostess or mm-hmm. host mm-hmm. for whatever event that or you're Or a good doing. guest because I never host. I just go eat the food. Yeah. And then you want to bring a dish that yeah. is going to be, like, safe for everyone. Mm, so, yes. Absolutely. Okay, you guys. We will not delay any longer. You guys need to take a break. Um, grab some ice cream. Maybe throw some hot fudge on it if you're feeling <laughs> a little chilly. You are listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheen and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. Welcome back. You are listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. And if you are just now joining us, you just missed our uh, lovely discussion on ice cream, dairy-free mm. ice cream, which ended Hot up... fudge. Oh, yes. Ice cream in the winter, ice cream in the summer, ice cream all the time. We could rank them. I mean... I mean, we really could. So that'll, that will be a separate talk- topic. We'll have a dessert show. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Sure. Let's have a dessert show. I think we should. Let's have a dessert show. It's done. Yes. It's finished. We said it, so it has to happen. <laughs> but you guys, one of the other things that we talked about before the break is we alluded to the fact that we would be uh, talking about uh, food allergies and um, accommodations for that. And so we needed to make sure that we brought the best of the best (laughs) on the show to be able to discuss that. We love her so much. We've actually had her on the show before. And I am talking about the wonderful Holly Groff, registered dietitian who serves as dining services coordinator here at UA. So Holly, thank you for coming. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. So, Holly, tell us a little bit about your educational background, um, you know, prior to working in this position. If memory serves me right, you are an alum of UA. I am. I think we were <laughs> classmates. Yes, Maybe we were. <laughs> just a few years ago. Yes, 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 exactly. No, I know, because I remember there being a course where we had to run a restaurant, and you were the GA for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Holly taught me all of my wonderful knife skills. Oh, I that's will, awesome. Yes. Uh-oh. Yes. Well, you still have your fingers, you have so fingers. Um, we're going to yeah, count that. That is good. Yes, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what that education and work background was like before you uh, serving in the position you have now. Sure. You said registered dietitian, dietitian nutritionist, <laughs> just like yourself. Um, well, graduate of the University of Alabama in the coordinated program in dietetics here and got a restaurant uh, master's in restaurant hospitality management here at the university as well. Um, I have worked in casual dining, catering, um, healthcare, including long-term care um, and acute care facilities. So those of you that aren't in healthcare, <laughs> short-term stays mm-hmm. like a hospital uh-huh. and long-term care facilities like mental health facilities um, and nursing home type establishments. Mm-hmm. Um, and been here at the university for about six years now, I believe, in my current okay. position. I can't believe it's been that long. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell us about your role at UA right now. And so, and just in what you do in our Bama Dining services. Sure. Um, Bama Dining here on campus is run by a contract food service operator. Um, And so my department that I work in, in dining services um, under enterprise operations, under the finance and Mm -hmm. operations umbrella, is the liaison with the contract food service Mm -hmm. provider. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
um, I myself work for the university, and one of my main responsibilities, among many others, um, is working with students that have um, food allergies and other special dietary needs, um, and working on accommodations in the dining halls for those students. Do you feel like in your time in this role that that need has really grown? Absolutely, mm-hmm. it has. Um, really, <clears throat> in my time in my professional career, it's grown. Um, I think, Sheena, you would probably agree with this, that really it wasn't um, a focus in our curriculum very heavily Mm -hmm. as students. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some people might say, why is that occurring now? Um, Or many of the managers that I work with that may have uh, been food service operators for 15, 20, 30 years Mm -hmm. um, said, you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, And really, we don't have great answers as to why. we do kind of have some rough estimates. There's roughly 32 million Americans um, with food allergies, about 5.6 million children under 18, um, and that equates to about uh, one in 13 children. So mm. if you think of kind of average oh, classroom wow. sizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's gonna be that one person. Yes, one to two children in each yeah. classroom is not, um, not uncommon there mm-hmm. at all. Um, and they have been increasing. Um, There was a CDC study in 2013 um, that showed food allergies rose among children approximately 50% between 1997 and 2011. Okay, so hold up. What's the deal? What's the, like, do we know? We don't know. There is not a good scientific evidence-based reason at this point, Um, but our research indicates that it's a mix of genetic and environmental influences. Mm. That's interesting. And, you know, um, thinking about your previous experience in in environments outside of college, like your different healthcare environments, was was food allergies like was that even a um, like a topic or something that yeah. needed to be um, intentional when it came to food service in those areas yeah. in your previous positions? Um, always something that uh, our computer systems were able to, to deal with, something we we mm-hmm. that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, in a nursing home, um, in the other mm-hmm. facilities, we would see it. Um, but it wasn't at the rates that we see. So if we look at that, mm-hmm. like where that increase was mm-hmm. between 1997 and 2011 in that study we were just talking about, that's really the population that we're seeing in college and young I adults was just now. Thinking, I was like, those are, yeah. our, yep. those are our students right yeah. there. Yeah. That, you know, that's wild to me because also when you think about, um, I, I feel like in general, not just at the university, but things that you see on social media, on your ads on TV, it's all hyper focused on you know gluten-free and some of that's a little bit marketing I feel like but then also um, peanut allergies and I'm sure and you guys know this stuff way better than I do but just all the different allergies that are out there and I've always known of of course like nut allergies like I feel like that's been something that I have seen on the rise like it sounds like these dates that you're talking about like when I was a kid no one had a nut allergy like I mean maybe they did they just weren't in my class I just I don't Mm -hmm. ever remember of course, I was young, so how would I even know? I'm doing this, like, uh, outward reflection right now of my life in case anybody's <laughs> interested. But um, I don't know. I mean, that's just so strange to me. So we really don't know. I'm sure people are trying to study this yes, and figure there's, out. Yes, there's lots of yeah. good research going now, on right is now. Is a lot of this exclusive to the U.S., or are we seeing this as a global trend as well? Because I'm trying to think of just, like, when we think of food environments, um, you know, I didn't know if this is, like, pretty specific to the U.S. in terms of these, like, increase in numbers or if we're seeing this globally. We're seeing this globally. There definitely mm-hmm. are some regional, cultural um, mm-hmm. things that we see. So, for example, in the United States, um, 
There's over 170 foods that have been reported to cause allergies, um, but there are, um, in the United States, like our labeling, for example, focuses on the top eight. Right, yeah. Those top eight allergens account for 90%. Um, so if we focus on those, now certainly there's other people that are gonna need other focuses. Yeah. But we've, so if we focus on those things, um, milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, wheat, and soy, mm-hmm. um, then we cover the majority of people sure. with food allergies. But certainly there's other than that. But we do have some. Um, for example, actually, um, you may know about this more, Sheena, because you have a young one that um, introduction of peanuts, um, yes. peanut products changed some of the recommendations recently. It has. And I've noticed, too, that there are some different companies that have started, because I'll see them in Instagram ads. Like, they're so intentional, mm-hmm, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but these companies that will even uh, make little powders that um, have exposure to the top eight allergens that you mix in your baby's formula wow. to say, like, oh, expose them early to yeah. decrease. You know, and it's, you know, part of me is thinking, like, oh, this is but then part of me is thinking like, wow, what a great marketing ploy that's really just playing on um, what I call in some ways like some fear mongering that that happens Mm -hmm. with this. And I'm just, so it's, it's fun to talk to my other first-time mom friends and kind of debunk some, like, fears related to that. I think it obviously well, should be taken seriously. Yeah. But at the same time, it, I get mad when well, companies take yeah. And that's that what peanut I'm products. Don't even get me started. We can yes. go down the whole rabbit hole. <laughs> that peanut product, we can talk about testing for allergies uh-huh. in a minute. Remind yeah. me of that oh, one. Yes. Ooh, but yeah. if we talk about peanut products, that, that study, um, so there was a study based on um, some other areas of the region where they didn't see the prevalence of peanut mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. peanut allergies. And they found, um, I think it was Bomba maybe, was the, it was a um, kind of like the puffs sort of mm-hmm. that oh, you feed, sure. mm-hmm. but it had a peanut product uh-huh. in it. And it led to some things that said, why is this area of the world not getting the peanut allergies like mm-hmm. others are? Um, and it led to a long-term study and guidelines changed, recommending um, some changes on when to introduce peanut foods to. Mm-hmm. However, there is not our favorite word of evidence-based, right? Yeah. It is not yeah. evidence-based um, for introducing other foods. So like you said, that there may be some fear-mongering in recommending that other. Absolutely. Conspiracy. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, me and Whitney like some conspiracy. We do, we do. We could go all day long on that. So we will not at the moment. We will take a short little break. So you guys grab your ice cream since that's our topic sort of today. Um, grab you something to drink. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. And we're back. You're listening to Fit to Be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. We were talking about food allergies. Um, so if you have a food allergy, listen to us. Maybe we have some cool information. If you yes. don't, I mean, I may have a food allergy and I don't know. <laughs> that fre- this, like, this conversation yeah. freaks me out a little bit because like, I'm worried that like you said what, how many food aller- allergies are out there? You know, there are a number of it's increasing, but really you're going to, you, you've got some reason or some experience of symptoms. Okay. Um, yeah. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll yes. talk to you, Dan. We'll talk to you. Okay, good. Cause yes. you know, I get a little bit, allergies, I don't like being food sick allergies or anything. Don't as typically develop in adults. They okay. generally present mm-hmm. more in mm-hmm. childhood that can change throughout the life cycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes 
children will be allergic to something and later in life that mm. allergy is not present yes. anymore. Remember I told you Sam grew out of his cow's milk protein yep. allergy. Okay, so. I feel yeah. better. I feel, I feel like better. You're in the clear. Yep. Yep. So like allergy testing. Let's segue into that. Yeah. Like how do we test for allergies? Do we like I don't know. Maybe yeah. I should go. Is there a more appropriate way? Because, you know, again, when it comes to the marketing and the fear mongering, there are so many flipping companies out there <laughs> that are making ways for people to test themselves at home in some mm-hmm. capacity. Are these? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, is this is this something people should mm-hmm. do or should they see a healthcare provider for this? Break oh, it down yeah. for us, Holly. Definitely. This is something you want to see a healthcare provider <laughs> yeah. for. You want to be working with a board certified <laughs> allergist. Do I if not you... need to pay my $99 to get that test <laughs> at home and then send it off? And you get could it. just take your $99, put it in the trash can and <laughs> That would be great. Okay. Um, there and of course my my social media feeds are full of it. Uh-huh. My search history because you know I'm getting mm-hmm. the ads, oh, up, yeah. particularly with the field that I work in, um, getting ads popping up all the time. Um, but those those tests really the what you want to do um, if you think you may have a food mm-hmm. allergy or mm-hmm. have experienced some type of adverse reaction. Um, is you want to be working with a board-certified uh, allergist. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to take a careful history of your experience, your suspected foods, mm-hmm. um, physical examination, um, likely going to um, progress to skin prick testing. Um, they may be looking at allergen-specific IgE blood testing. Um, however, that test sometimes um, can have some false positives there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, your body may say you have this, um, y- you have a reaction to that, but really when you eat it, you don't. So the gold standard in testing mm-hmm. is an oral food challenge. Of course, that's very, um, that can cause some anxiety for yeah. individuals, for parents, etc. Yeah. Um, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. So um, if you really want to have the least restrictive diet, um, I had a student in my office one time who was, um, like we said, things can change throughout the life yes. cycle. She was um, doing some oral food challenges based on some testing. Um, and she said, you know what, it's well worth it to go through it for me. Mm. Because if I can if I can discover that I can eat this, then that makes my life much simpler. Yeah. So for her, it was worth it. Now, others mm-hmm. are certainly, you know, not going to fault anybody if that's sure. not yeah. the right thing for them. Sure. But no, the, um, many of the mail-away tests, though, are IgG. So okay. I said IgE before. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's what we're looking at in the physician's office okay. there. And that's what we're working on. Um, but the IgG tests... Um, Instead of testing for the IgE antibodies, they're testing for IgG, and that's a memory-type antibody. Um, so actually, when you get a um, indication of that antibody, mm-hmm. it actually means you've probably consumed that type of food before. Oh, wow. Oh. Um, so, so in fact, wow. you ever get a friend that says they've tested for this and it's their favorite food? Yes. Um, coincidence? Probably not yes, there. because they always yes. call me breaking out saying like Sheena but I'm so in love with X, Y, or Z and it's on the list oh, and I'm like yes. okay man yes. Holly you have enlightened me as a fellow RD goodness gracious yeah. so due to the lack of evidence on this the American Academy of Allergy um, Asthma and Immunology the Canadian Society of Allergy and Clinical Immuno- Immunology and the European Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology all the academy all recommended all against this the trifecta this. said yes um, they've recommended against using IgG testing to diagnose food allergies um, or sensitivities and tolerances. But sensitivities and tolerances are a little bit different. 
Um, a food allergy mm. um, is yeah. actually mm-hmm. uh, the body's immune response, okay. um, generally to a protein in food. So basically, kind of like your body attacks a cold or a mm-hmm. flu virus. Um, what happens with a food allergy is you ingest that food, and your body mistakes it for something harmful. So it basically oh. starts trying to attack it there. Um, so that's like peanut allergy. That's like if I I don't have a peanut allergy, but if I had a peanut al- allergy and I ate peanuts, then I'm gonna go into different types of shock. Like I'm gonna get it can cause it could cause a number of reactions. Mm-hmm. It could cause some things that you may think are more digestive, mm-hmm. like some upset stomach, sure. some diarrhea, vomiting, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but yes, it can cause more life-threatening, like we hear about anaphylaxis. Mm-hmm. Anaphylaxis. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be a life that threatening reaction. That's wild. Um, and there aren't cures for food allergy. Certainly mm-hmm. with the eat. cost of yeah. EpiPens, we sure. hear that in the news. Yes. We hear a lot about that. Um, but even that's a that's a treatment for those symptoms. It's not a cure. Now, when it comes to intolerances, is there a foolproof way of saying someone has an intolerance or does it tend to be more anecdotal based on someone just feeling like they've had an adverse experience um, with a food, but not necessarily um, on the IgE indicating a true allergy. So then they kind of get lumped into, oh, well, you probably just have an intolerance to it. Or I didn't know if there's like separate testing, Mm -hmm. so to speak, to where somebody could label themselves as being intolerant to something. Um, There are some separate testing. Now, um, folks with celiac, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that would be different and specialized testing for that. Mm -hmm. um, And and that's a specific condition. But intolerances, um, that would be still working with your healthcare provider, Mm -hmm. um, going ahead and going through that testing, ruling it out working with a registered dietitian um, that would be the experts in, um, you know, helping you keep a food record, Mm -hmm. look through that record, identifying Mm -hmm. those patterns um, and and what may cause it, and working through some elimination diets that can be very challenging. Oh, yes. Um, FODMAP diet is a diet that's um, grown in prevalence for FODMAP. I've never heard of it. Um, and FODMAP, it's basically an acronym for, um, it represents the type of, well, we say sugars, essentially, yeah. um, that are in um, what I would call relatively healthy foods. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of... Different fermentable carbohydrates. Yeah, fruits mm. and vegetables, beans, and people are having to temporarily eliminate these so that we can figure out uh, what may be the digestive culprit, for lack yeah. of better words. Because some of these high FODMAP-containing foods can irritate your tummy by pulling mm. in a lot more fluid into mm-hmm. the GI tract, a lot more a gas is released mm-hmm. in the GI tract, and then you have some tummy issues mm-hmm. there. Main thing that I always tell patients is I don't want them to think that it's a forever diet. It's mm-hmm. an elimination diet in the sense that it's temporary mm-hmm. for us to figure yeah. out what the yeah. problem is. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, goodness. There's wow. so, so much yeah. to take into consideration, and I feel like, you know, oftentimes we have students that are really just, um, you know, they, they get frustrated because they're trying mm. to figure out what is making them feel bad mm-hmm. and when there's like multiple culprits yeah. um, or suspected foods um, it can be tough and Holly I'm sure that you hear those frustrations from students Definitely. all the time of them trying to figure out like well how do I know like what's making my stomach hurt and then I feel like I can't mm. eat in the the dining hall or whatever else and I know a little bit later at, probably after our next break we'll talk more about the accommodation process at UA because I'm sure our listeners uh, want to hear about that mm. but um, before we we go to the next break are there any kind of other myths or perceptions that you think are often lumped into uh the concept of food allergies um i think there's a lot around mm-hmm. it like we just said the testing and the diagnosis itself what is a food allergy um and not uh 
not belittling an intolerance mm-hmm. or a sensitivity because mm-hmm. certainly you don't want to consume that food right. if it makes oh, you well, ill. Yeah. It's very, right. mm-hmm. you know, it may not be life-threatening, mm-hmm. but it's not very comfortable, some of the things mm-hmm. we've described there. Um, but definitely what a food allergy is, that it's it's that immune response mm-hmm. there. Um, the seriousness of a food allergy, that um, an intolerance, um, perhaps a really small amount may not bother you mm-hmm. as much if you have an intolerance. If you have a food allergy, cross contact is a concern. Mm-hmm. So if I touch a peanut butter cookie with tongs and then um, the next person behind me that has a peanut allergy gets their sugar cookie, mm. that could be enough for a person that has an allergy. Mm-hmm. So really that's a, a difference there um, in that in that food allergy and in that intolerance. No, and I love that you um, that you put such a connection with that just as far as like something so simple mm-hmm. could have such a big impact. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this um, after the break. So y'all, hold tight, grab um, something to drink, maybe wash down that ice cream and that hot fudge. But you are listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheen and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. Welcome back. You are listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheen and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. And we have had the wonderful Holly Groth join us this afternoon as we talk about food allergies, food intolerances. Uh, Holly just led a great discussion talking about how we get tested for those. Like, what are your do's and don'ts mm-hmm. when it comes to, um, you know, making sure that you're getting that testing done. And um, we alluded to a little bit about this before the break, Holly. But tell us a little bit about what the accommodation process looks like mm-hmm. at UA. Because I can say from personal experience that families have told me they've ended up choosing us because they've been so blown away at what a fabulous job you and your team do Mm -hmm. in terms of accommodating a student with food allergens. That's definitely what we want to (laughs) hear. But uh, our accommodation process starts with letting us know. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've, uh, there's an online form now, taking it to very simple. So uh, um, incoming student, current student Mm -hmm. just needs to go to the food allergies tab on the Bama Dining website submit that form with their medical documentation. From there, um, I'll take a look at that. And we've the accommodation process is individualized, mm. um, but we've got, of course, some, some things that we often start with. Sometimes it's just giving some more information, like for example, um, here at the University of Alabama, um, we don't use peanut or tree nut products in the dining hall, except for we have peanut butter and Nutella in a self-service sandwich station area. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be an ingredient. It's never going to be in an Asian sauce or uh-huh. dressing. It's mm-hmm. never going to be in a baked good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Honey Nut Cheerios in stock, which of course are in a dispenser in the dining uh-huh. halls, and we have almond milk um, that's in a dispenser in the dining halls. Um, so things that we're able to um, kind of mitigate some um, Mm -hmm. cross-contact concerns there. So sometimes it's communicating information like that. Um, We stock some specialty products, for example, students that need gluten-free diets. Um, We currently are stocking gluten-free pizza crust, Mm gluten-free pasta, gluten-free breads and wraps, um, gluten-free cereals, um, a variety of products. muffins and baked goods and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it may be um, getting students in contact with the managers to ask for that. Um, Text ahead ordering is one of our um, very common accommodations. Um, So for example, where we talked about the cross contact with the peanut butter cookie earlier, that could be, uh, if, let's say you had a dairy allergy, mm-hmm. um, that could be a concern that um, your 
hamburger may not be able to be cooked on the grill with the cheeseburgers. Oh. It would be a different spatula. Yeah. Um, so using wow. specialized equipment, um, using things once that get wash rinsed um, and then sanitized and saved for the next use, um, that those are steps that um, managers or key employees would take with text ahead ordering. Um, so we use that as an accommodation. Um, we've also changed some of our facilities in my six mm. years since I've been here. Um, we remodeled Lakeside Dining Hall uh, in, since I've been here, mm -hmm. and we actually um, put in a room that has access for students that we can load on their action card mm. um, when they submit that special diet accommodation with their medical documentation. One side of that room is for um, made without gluten items, uh -huh. and um, so it has a self-service deli station, mm -hmm. um, oh, a gluten-free toaster. Most gluten-free breads are refrigerated or frozen, mm -hmm. and they just don't taste stellar sometimes yeah. at room temperature. Yeah. So there's a toaster and a microwave mm -hmm. in there um, that students uh, that have that accommodation um, can access all of that. Desserts, um, gluten-free uh frozen waffles mm -hmm. to use in that gluten-free mm. toaster. The other side of that room carries mostly individually packaged items. So for example, um, cookies mm -hmm. without eggs, cookies without dairy, mm -hmm. um, things like that that students um, might need. And that um, is somewhat individualized based on the particular set of students that we have sure. that particular semester or year sure. and what they might need. So we've got plenty of space in there dry storage, refrigeration, mm -hmm. and freezer space. Well, you know, when we think about the students that um, transition to UA with multiple food allergies, do you feel like most of them have a good handle on managing it themselves, or do you find that we are in a generation of students who have had their parents mm -hmm. um, handle a lot of the accommodations at home for so long yeah. that they didn't necessarily get the level of independence and education mm -hmm. for managing it um, outside of sure. their guardian's home. You I know? think I see all ends of the spectrum. <laughs> uh -huh. There are students that are amazing self-advocates mm -hmm. that make sure to tell every person that's serving them, every manager, <laughs> uh -huh. um, you know, and it's a, it can be very simple and short. Mm -hmm. I have a dairy allergy. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's it, there's students that are great at that, students that know how to read uh, labels themselves, um, and there's students whose parents um, do um, take care of really everything for them, uh -huh. and students mm -hmm. that really don't know how to read labels mm -hmm. themselves um, and recognize ingredients um, that, that can be that can have their allergen. Because yeah. Holly, I think one time we actually had this conversation before and I think you said there was a student who um, just did not have the general um, awareness about an Alfredo sauce Absolutely. having, uh, yes. having um, yes. flour in it. Yes, yeah. and you know, this is a, a oh, that's student true. who... You wouldn't really think of that if you've never cooked it no, before. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. A student that has great skills in other areas uh -huh. of life. Um, wow. Academically, yeah. uh -huh. very, very talented student. Mm -hmm. um, but no, not a culinarian. Didn't think about that you start an Alfredo sauce with a roux which is uh -huh. flour and fat, some flour and butter or something uh -huh. like that. I just thought it came from a jar, right? <laughs> right. Mom always bought a gluten-free Alfredo sauce. She thought yeah. I can have that. Oh, um, man. Also in commercial food service, sometimes things are different than you do at home. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one of my pet peeves because it can also be a nutritional <laughs> issue that, for example, things might be labeled a little different. Like a casual dining chain that I worked for um, used to have roasted potatoes on the menu. Mm -hmm. Well, those were prepared in the deep fryer, actually. They were roasted and then oh. they were finished in the deep fryer right before That's service. Why they taste yes, really they good. they taste terrific. Oh, wow. You think you're making a better non-fried uh -huh. choice. Yeah. Um, so I, I personally am an advocate for uh, mm. establishments properly identifying uh -huh. cooking techniques techniques there. But also, 
Fryers can be a source of cross contact. Oh, sure. I feel like anything in your kitchen can yes, be a source. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just you, really. and, and the fact that you guys your are apron, so diligent. Your gloves, yeah. anything. But it sounds like you guys are so diligent and you're very careful with, you have a strategy for how you do everything. Because absolutely. you're trying. That's the goal. Because cross-contamination, yes, it can happen. But the way you guys have it set up with, you know, your cookies, you're not going to put any peanut butter or Nutella in those. I mean, I love those things. But honestly, if that means somebody else isn't going, I can go somewhere else if I need yeah. to go get a peanut butter cookie. If that helps the greater community and somebody, you know, not get sick, I'm all for it. Yeah, so we want to have variety, but yeah. we, want, we need to minimize. And then other people um, want and need. So, for example, let's say um, you aren't currently vegan, but if you were, that almond yeah. milk might be, you mm-hmm. know, a preferred substitute mm-hmm. there. Um, or folks with a dairy allergy yeah. that may prefer that almond milk. Um, so because there's different needs, trying to balance those needs with the the largest concerns and and take care of everyone the best that we're able to there. Do you have any advice for any students? Um, we talked a little bit about your resources, but say also you're newly diagnosed with a food mm-hmm. allergy. Um, what kind of advice do you have for them educating themselves? Um, working with a registered dietitian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I sound like a broken record, don't no, I? Mean, you referred so many students to yes. me, and I mean, especially those newly diagnosed yes. students. Because so. that can be a big challenge if it's a change yeah. in life. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, you talked about some of your challenges with Sam with mm-hmm. that, you know, and you are a dietitian and still <laughs> going through that. Or working, you know, with a loved one that has some special dietary concerns. For me, as a dietitian, mm-hmm. um, challenging myself to um, – eat particular ways mm-hmm. for a few days to see what it's like. But oh, it can be true. very challenging. Um, but definitely working with a registered dietitian is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Food Allergy Research and Education Fair um, is an organization um, that I that I believe has been very helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I actually use some of their training materials, mm-hmm. um, evidence-based recommendations on there um, that they have some some great things. So there are there's a plethora of information out there. Like we said yeah. with the testing, mm-hmm. it can be challenging, um, but that's an excellent source for evidence-based. Oh, that's good to know. That's definitely good Well, to know. and I think for those of you listening to us, every time we have a guest on our show, that's a resource. And so I think it was Dr. Christensen when we were talking about like going to the doctor and making sure you take care of yourself. Like you just have to learn these things. Um, and the great thing about being at UA is we do have all the different resources that you can go to, and hopefully people are Definitely. listening to us Absolutely. <laughs> out there. And whether it's a medical need or um, that's for our accommodation process, but if you have a lifestyle preference, such as you are a vegetarian, yes. um, happy to talk with students mm. to guide them towards those vegetarian options mm-hmm. so you know where you're getting your plant-based protein. I think that's awesome. We are going to take a break on that note because I'm getting a little hungry. I may need a snack, <laughs> a little plant-based snack. Um, we will be back after the break. You're listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone. Welcome back. You're listening to Fit to be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone this lovely Sunday afternoon after homecoming. And we have been talking about food, which is usually one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but most importantly, we've had a great show um, with Holly Groff from um, Dining Services. She's our di- Dining Services Coordinator with um, Bama Dining. And just talking about all the food allergies that people have and the accommodations that are so great with um, you guys. And I think one thing we are talking about during the break is the feeling of, and I'll speak from just my experience of being a vegetarian. Every time I tell somebody I'm a vegetarian, I feel like I get an eye roll, like, ugh, really? You know, and it's, 
you have to be very careful with um, where you go out to eat and just kind of researching places and being very open with that. But we're talking about just like kind of feeling like you're putting someone out when you have a food allergy. And I don't even have a food allergy. I just, I've made a choice to be a vegetarian, you know? And it, you had a story yeah, too about... Yeah, I know, I know. And I know I was mentioning mentioning this during one of our breaks, but I actually had a patient earlier this week who um, has issues with gluten. And she said, I just, she said, I feel like I'm inconveniencing mm. the server. I'm inconveniencing my friends. And so, you know, she's like, I ended up eating the pizza and I was just in Aww. so much pain. And I'm like, you were the only person paying for that because you were trying to avoid this eye roll. It's like, who can you got to self-advocate yeah. you, know, you have to advocate for your self-care in all of this and that'd probably just be my big like hey if you're going to take anything Absolutely. away from this or yeah. the or the bigger question is who are your friends that are yeah, not going to yes, like order exactly. i can eat a gluten-free pizza it's not going to be that different you know what i mean mm-hmm. like come on really oh yeah, oh, yeah. Or as a food service provider, I definitely want to know to Mm -hmm. be able to take care of you the best. I want to know that you are a vegetarian if you are coming over to my house, if I am (laughs) making dinner for you. Because then you're not out the money of buying steaks. I'm not going to eat a steak. You know what I mean? And if I could potentially kill you with a food allergy, I definitely want to know. As a provider, as a hostess, then I absolutely want to know that. Yeah. So, okay. So going with that, like as we go into this holiday season and people are getting together, for different food um, gatherings as a good host or hostess start asking your mm-hmm. guests like hey do you have any um, and any food allergies or accommodations I need to be aware of I think that that's just you know, that's just going to be good practice I think know? that's Absolutely. just the new wave now. and know your ingredients of know what you put into something so that you can answer those questions even better mm-hmm. go ahead and write them out and label them yeah <laughs> so funny story I'll tell you all this so my <laughs> grandmother she's wonderful lady um <laughs> she kind of marches to the beat of her own drum does what she wants to do a lot of times well she had made me some vegetarian soup and promised me that there was no meat in it and i was like oh this is so exciting like use use like veggie broth because i try to steer clear from any like animal product broth i'll eat it sometimes whatever and i get home and i'm like oh grandma's soup what was in it meat little floating pieces of meat <laughs> And I text my mom and I was like, well, I've been lied to. (laughs) And it was just that thought of like, she didn't think it would really matter because Uh it was like small pieces of meat. And I thought, it's meat. Yeah. Like, I don't eat it. Yeah. So like, I I don't understand. But I felt it. It was kind of funny. I I let it roll off and I was like, well, I'm not eating this. Who Mm -hmm. needs soup with meat? You know, that's a great example too, because for you, you let it roll off your back. (laughs) Um, But certainly it could be offensive to Uh um, others with... uh, um, religious sure, dietary exactly. preferences yeah. that could be more than uh, you know more than it's not a joke it's, it could be very offensive yeah and then that's a good distinction of what we talked about what is an intolerance and what is a food allergy that if you have a food allergy that could actually be life-threatening it, so yes. you know making sure that um, when you are with somebody that they understand yes um, and just for the general population to know how important a food allergy is yes and I think too you know it's just it shouldn't even matter the reason I think sometimes we have in our head like oh she Whitney's just being a vegetarian by choice it's not yeah. like she's allergic so then yeah. we minimize yes. that and that's so disrespectful it that's is. just not being yeah. a good yeah. community member mm-hmm. human in general be good humans people 
Yeah, that's right. Yes, so that's <laughs> it all boils down to the it same thing. Just be a good human. Be exactly. kind. <laughs> yes, be kind. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, you guys, be kind this week, um, especially as we go into this holiday season and um, being a good host or hostess and being mindful of your colleagues' uh, potential food allergies, preferences, intolerances, or whatnot. But we have had, again, a fabulous show. Holly, thank you again for being Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, well, y'all enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You have been listening to Fit to Be Tied with Sheena and Whitney on 90.7 The Capstone.